0: You are listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast with John Pemba and Andrew Cooper. Well, what's going on FA Nation? John and Pemba here with Andrew Cooper. Welcome into the Quick Out Fantasy Football Podcast for week 14 of the NFL season. Coop, we are a week away from fantasy football playoffs for many. I know there are some leagues that even started their fantasy football playoffs in week 14, which is kind of tough because we have in Part 2 here with, oh, is it six teams on a bye this week?
1: Six teams, yeah. Matches the early, the season high from week nine, dude. So let that be a lesson to everybody out there for next year. Playoffs really should be weeks 15, 16, 17, right? No, No week 18, no week 14.
0: Yeah, you just can't. The way the schedules move now, uh, you know, some impactful players uh, not being available for the playoffs is certainly a, a tough look for those fantasy managers. Uh, But that's the way the schedule breaks down. If you're looking at the Sunday main slate for DFS, there's just 10 games on that this week. We have our primetime games starting with Thursday. We have the Raiders versus the Rams. Uh, We have the Sunday night football game, a pretty good one, the Dolphins versus the Chargers. And then Monday night football, our Patriots on another primetime game here. Uh, Patriots in Arizona against the Cardinals. Those are your three primetime games here uh, for the week. And like I said, we got 10 games for the Sunday main slate. Uh, Coop, this is the Quick Out Podcast. Everybody knows what we do. We get in, we get out, we give you the information you need to know, and we get you out of here.
1: Bingo, bango, bongo. So let's get right to it, man. Let's hit the Thursday game.
0: Here we go. Raiders at the Rams here. The Rams are getting six and a half points at home. It's a 42 and a half game total. Biggest news story of the week. Baker Mayfield now a member of the Los Angeles Rams and possibly starting tonight. Uh, they're gonna have John Wolford go through pregame warmups if his neck injury doesn't allow him to play at a capacity the team is comfortable with him being out there. Uh, Mayfield and will probably be nothing but handoffs and simple offensive schemes. we uh, will be out there against the Raiders' defense here tonight.
1: Dude, I can't possibly imagine that man. Just thinking back, even you know back when high school quarterback, like you got to know what you're doing and what everyone else is doing on every single play. I cannot imagine going in and trying to run an offense. Uh, in this situation, dude. I mean, if he ends up being the starter, the spread you should probably see that spread fly. I, f- I think. I mean, like, there's yeah. no way the spread Take would be under seven. Take over on
0: the Cam handoffs, probably.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that's pretty scary situation. I'm not super excited in any of these Rams. Obviously, on the Raider side, you're going to start Devonte Adams. You're going to start Josh Jacobs. You're going to start Derek Carr where you need to, and you might even consider Mac Collins. Not really a big Foster Moreau guy. Never have been. He's never had more than 67 yards on in any game, and he's played a ton of games. He's played a ton with Darren Waller out, so not super excited about him. But the rest of those guys, I'm playing on this Ram side. If you had to pick one wide receiver, say you're looking at Ben Skaronek, 2 Tutu two Atwell, and uh, what's the? I mean, the next option is James Jefferson as well. Uh, Brandon Powell may be in the mix. Uh, who do you like best out of those guys? Can I, had, s- can I
0: say Tyler Higby or is that blasphemous on this podcast?
1: No, you're allowed to say Tyler Higby.
0: It feels to- like this could be a Tyler Higby spot. If like their offense is very dumbed down, like intermediate dump offs to the tight end could be easy passes for Baker Mayfield to make.
1: Yeah. Now the problem with that is the, the incredibly low upside earlier in the season. They were using him, like, the first game of the year, he ran 47 routes, zero pass blocking snaps. As of late, he's blocked on nine pass plays in three different games, including last week. He ran 20 routes, blocked on nine pass plays. Week before that, he only ran 11 routes, blocked on five. It's a low upside play, but in full PPR, I I would... Bet my bottom dollar he wouldn't get you a zero. So you can do worse than him, and it's a good matchup.
0: Yeah, this uh, is supposedly a good matchup for tight ends. If you yeah. look at the, the, the Raiders versus opposing tight ends this year. Again, uh, it was Wolford that threw to Higby, what, eight times uh, a few weeks ago, right? Yep. So um, if it's if he's that quarterback, he could have the, the Higby eye. If not, Baker Mayfield may be looking down for some easy, you know, just kind of like find the zone, turn around, and let Baker hit you for five yards. Um, put but, it
1: Put it this way. I'm a no, well known Higby detractor. and I'm if the biggest I,
0: Baker Mayfield hater I think that exists. Yeah. So. so, no, the Higby <laughs>
1: and the Baker Mayfield hate here. I would, if I'm making a showdown slate for tonight, and I probably will, Tyler Higby would be on the team just yeah. because I don't trust many other options. You have to put somebody on from the Rams side, right? So, yeah. for me, it's Van Jefferson, Tyler Higby. And then just fill the rest with rain.
0: We haven't played the Raiders defense at all for this season. And for good reason, would this be a Raiders defense scream spot for you?
1: i mean, yeah, absolutely. And the Raiders defense actually, if like, if they pull something together here, their schedule, uh, it's not crazy to, uh, to sneak them in. They can
0: run the table and make the playoffs after their disastrous start there for people thought McDaniels was going to be fired after five, six weeks.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Patriots, they, they end the season with the 49ers and the Chiefs, so you're not going to touch that, but sure. I mean, Rams, Patriots haven't been great lately, Steelers are beatable, so they could kind of sneak in. Yep. I wouldn't rule them out just yet.
0: No, I agree with you, uh, and to your point, for the for the Raiders, you are yep, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, and, and Carr for sure. The kickers, I think, in both games, Gay and Carlson, are in play if you're playing DFS tonight as well, so... Yeah. Uh, certainly fine with that. But that's enough talk of the Thursday night football game here. Let's get into the Sunday action. We have the Baltimore Ravens in Pittsburgh against the Steelers. Tyler Huntley starting at quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens here. Ravens are two-and-a-half-point road underdogs. A gross 36-and-a-half game total in this one. Uh, Huntley, though, quite interesting. And this is something that Ryan Hallam brought up on the Sunday night Face uh, on Postgame show on XM. If you look at the game logs for Huntley dating back to last season, it seems like Baltimore trusts him to throw the football a bit more than we generally see Lamar Jackson throw. Huntley has multiple games of 35-plus pass attempts as a starting quarterback for Baltimore, where you generally see Lamar Jackson sitting in that like high 20s, low 30s in a lot of these games. I I found that to be a little bit interesting. Yeah,
1: I mean, John Harbaugh is a very adaptive coach. There's a lot of coaches throughout the league, like Bill Belichick, for instance, kind of treats it like chess. He tries to take away what you do best uh, and then says, hey, why don't you beat us with what you don't like to do? I I feel like a lot of that happens with these backup quarterbacks where the other team says, hey, you know what? Backup QB, let's get after him. Let's rush him. Let's stack the box. And that leads to these opportunities. So in this case, you know, we could see that. Thirty-six and a half is going to, uh, as far as I know, John, match the lowest over under we've seen for a game all year. That
0: yeah, at least close. one of the, at least for some of the opening lines, I think we got, we might have dipped down a little bit lower. Uh, I think that Jets, uh, Jets Bears maybe a couple weeks yeah. ago with the rain got down to like 34 and a half. But yeah, 36 and a half is certainly one of the bottom barrel totals we've seen.
1: Yeah, so it's going to be pretty rough. Uh, no J.K. Dobbins once again. So, you know, it'll be Gus Edwards on early downs. Kenyon Drake on pass downs. Uh, Mark Andrews is going to be doing his thing. Isaiah likely not playing enough for me to consider him. You know, he's exciting in dynasty, but probably can't go there in redraft, especially in a game like this. It's supposed to be low scoring. Are you interested in any of the Ravens wide receivers, John? Nothing Anything at all? Nope. No, me neither. Nope. Agreed. Uh,
0: uh, for the Steelers side, I thought it was interesting. Pickens apparently uh, already unhappy with not being targeted enough. He only got two targets. Uh, last week, apparently he may he was seen making some comments about being thrown the football. So, uh, you know, we we sometimes talk about the uh, the greasy uh, or the squeaky wheel getting the grease, you know, and, and maybe Pickens this week and what should be a good spot against a Baltimore secondary that struggled uh, getting a few more targets here from Pickett.
1: Is there some sort of like haunted locker in that locker room or something where like Antonio Brown had it, then Martavis Bryant, now Chase Claypool? and then all of a sudden, you know, yeah. they get rid of Claypool, they get rid of the complainer and then somebody else has to carry that torch of I'm not getting the ball enough. So, you know, I, it looks like it's uh it's Pickens now. I don't know, man. The thing with Kenny Pickett is that people keep applauding him for, you know, not making mistakes in his uh, you know, his game management, which has been fine, you know, from an NFL standpoint it's been fine. But from a fantasy football standpoint, right. it's been real bad. He has two touchdown passes over the last 5 games. Forget starting him as your quarterback. It's the only thing that makes me scared to start guys like uh, Pat Fryermuth or George Pickens or Deontay Johnson. I mean, Deontay Johnson is a guy that, you know, I'm benching in certain spots.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Listen, man, that's the separation we have to make you and I talk about it a lot. Real world fantasy, real world NFL, good football player versus fantasy. The, those two don't always mesh. Sometimes they do. Devontae Adams, you know, Christian McCaffrey. Sometimes they don't pick it in, in one of those situations where, hey, the Steelers are winning games. He's not turning the ball over. He's throwing for 190 yards and, like, maybe a touchdown, sometimes none. You know, so, like, right. um, not good for fantasy. The running back situation, Najee Harris, if he's healthy – um, looking a little bit better at him on flexing him. You're big on Friarmuth. What are your thoughts on this matchup against Baltimore's defense this week?
1: Yeah. So Friarmuth has all three things we look for in a tight end. He has the talent. Of course, he's a good player. He has the opportunity, which means, you know, he's getting a 30% target share at times. And the scheme works for him. They're not asking him to block. Talent, scheme, opportunity. Those three things are what we look for. The problem is talent also encompasses the pass throw. So that's where that's the one thing holding back Friermuth from being like a uh, fully, truly locked-in guy. I mean, for the most part, you're probably starting him rest of the season. If you don't have anybody else, I mean, there's not really anybody else to mix and match with. But, uh, you know, that's the only thing holding this guy back. But I'm starting him essentially anywhere I have him. Uh, and just one last thing on George Pickett's. Uh I know he doesn't listen to this podcast, but one thing he should probably do is take a look around the league and figure out when to complain. The time to complain is not after back-to-back wins. It's not when your team has won three of the last four. Elijah Moore learned that lesson pretty easily while the team was winning and he started complaining. That's not the time to complain, wait for a loss and then come out and say, Hey, I want to get the ball more. I think I could have helped us win complaining while your team is winning is diva loser mentality. And I don't like to see that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree with you there. A hundred percent. Never, never a good idea. Uh, Let's go to Cleveland versus Cincinnati here. Bengals are at home giving five and a half to 46 and a half game total. We saw Cleveland upset Cincinnati on primetime television a few weeks back with Jacoby Brissett as quarterback. Obviously, Deshaun Watson is now the QB for Cleveland. He looked quite rusty last week against Houston here. Uh, we'll see if he's going to be able to bounce back. Jamar Chase returned for Cincinnati. He looked good last week. Joe Mixon may be back in the mix this week for the Bengals as well. But P uh has been an RB1 uh, over the last week and a half since he's been taking over uh, for Mixon there as the starting RB. So uh, what are we uh, targeting here in this matchup, Coop?
1: Yeah, so... Ah, uh, dynasty gamers who back in 2017 drafted Samaje Ryan over Alvin Kamara hey if you held him for 5 6 years 7 years you're finally getting your revenge samaje Ryan has been outscoring alvin kamara so hey maybe you just had to play the long the long con john maybe that was the move for those guys uh, for for this matchup i'm i'm starting Amari Cooper. I'm starting Donovan Peoples Jones. These guys are playing virtually every snap. I mean, Donovan Peoples Jones played six of 63, 60 of 63 snaps last week. Like he's dialed in. And if Sean Watson could pick it up, especially in a game where he now has to, last game he didn't necessarily need to, but this week he's going to have to pick it up if they're going to have a shot. I'm interested in playing those guys. I'm worried about David Njoku. Uh, we've seen him come back from injury and be eased back in last time. Had uh, they, I have no problem rolling out Harrison Bryant and Pharaoh Brown at times, so I'm a little bit hesitant on him. But the other guys are definitely starting. Dick Chubb, I'm starting. And then on the Cincy side, it's easy, man. We, we like Cincy because we know exactly what to do. We start T. Higgins. We start Jamar Chase. We start Joe Mixon. And then if you need to, you start Tyler Boyd. With Hayden Hurst out, I'm not using any of Mitchell Wilcox or Devin Asiasi or Drew Sample. I think Drew Sample's out for the season. I mean, it's like you can't trust any of those guys. No chance.
0: Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that one as well. Um, again, you're not, you're not going to trust those low, low uh, upside plays here in the spots. Uh, any Thank other uh, key points for you here? Yeah, I
1: mean, so with Sabaji Piran, what are your thoughts on, you know, continuing to roll him out? Do you think this is going to look more like Alexander Madison where he goes right back to the bench? Or is it going to – do you think he's carved out a role enough, especially in the past game, to consider him? What are your thoughts, John?
0: Um yeah, I think a little bit, right? I I think that there's some potential for that upside here this week.
1: I'd say at the very least, don't drop him. Right? right. Let's see if he's carved himself out a role. If he goes right back to being the backup, like let's let's say they run 60, 60 offensive plays and Joe Mixon plays forty and he plays twenty, then you can go ahead and drop him. But I would hold him just for one more game, just to see what plus that you
0: be. never know what concussions, right? Mixon gets back in the game gets popped and you know these things unfortunately they they tend to reoccur at times especially when you're coming back so soon after it was a Cameron Brait right got hurt yep. came back immediately got hit again concussion we saw Tua,
1: Tua. you know yep.
0: another example of it so now obviously Mixon's had a couple of weeks off I imagine the league has been a lot more be- a lot better with their requirements to return to the field here uh, but just you know they always say once you get one you Occasionally become more susceptible to the next one, so um, I agree with you. If you have if you have Mixon knowing how well P Ryan has performed, I don't think you drop P Ryan at all. You know, like you're he's your guy because he could be a uh, he could be a quote unquote it's overused term but like league winning type of play for the fantasy playoffs, right? If just based off the last two weeks of production,
1: exactly. And how many times has Joe Mixon rolled an ankle or done something like that, too? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just in general, he's has turned into. Uh, a Alexander Madison tier handcuff because now we know, yeah. right? Now we know what 100 we're yards
0: rushing last week. He gave you, a, he's given like five catches in each of the two weeks. Like he's doing everything. Exactly.
1: There's so many times we hold on to these other handcuffs or we go out and get, pick them up immediately when the starter gets hurt. And it just turns out they're not good. You know, how many times did we Chuba pick up Hubbard. Chuba <laughs> Hubbard? I was literally just saying Chuba <laughs> Hubbard. You know what I mean? Or like if you're holding on to Matt Breida, you don't even, if Saquon goes down, Matt Breida might just be the. Mediocre starting running back for a mediocre team. Right. So hold on to him wherever you can.
0: Yep, I agree. All right, Jets, Buffalo Bills here. Uh, Buffalo get it, giving 10 points at home, 43 and a half game total in this one. The Jets upset Buffalo in New York earlier this season already. Their defense was uh, gave uh, Josh Allen some fits. Mike White, 380 yards passing last week, uh, nearly brought the Jets back in that game against uh, the Minnesota Vikings here. But now in Buffalo, this was the game that ended the Mike White-Cinderella story last year. Where Buffalo picked them off four times. Uh, are we expecting uh, this trend to continue here for White? Garrett Wilson has looked unbelievable in the last two weeks.
1: Yeah, the Mike, Mike White revenge game, right? Or maybe another Mike White catastrophe. I, I really, you know, the problem with the Jets now versus then is they're missing a number of players that helped them win that, right? They're missing... Brees hall they're missing elijah vera tucker so i'm not quite sold on the jets uh double dipping on this one and neither is vegas this is their minus nine and a half here i will say that i'm starting garrett wilson no question i mean this is what you want to see last week uh so the average team runs about 65 snaps uh 60 to 65 snaps per game on average right last year the league leader ran 69 every once in a while you get a game that goes the distance a lot of these viking games do and you get a high number of snaps, 85 snaps for the Jets. Garrett Wilson played 78 of those snaps. That tells me that this guy is locked in for every meaningful play because you know some of those were probably two tight end goal line sets or or things like that. So uh, there's very few guys doing that. So he's a guy I'm definitely getting in my lineup. I'm not super interested in Tyler Conklin. Elijah Moore played only 58 of 85. So that tells you how they feel about him. Corey Davis played he played 69 of 85 so i actually would probably go Corey davis over elijah moore at this point
0: yeah and yeah, then it snaps its volume now this could be a game where they have to go a lot of three wide receivers because they're down 20 points right they're they're exactly. a 10 point exactly. road underdog. so uh, they yeah. could just have those three guys on the field all game
1: yeah it could very well happen i mean it's like no use rolling cj zoma out there when he's not really contributing
0: yep yeah, i have a thousand percent you know he did catch pass last week uh, on the Buffalo side of things, what are your thoughts on cook, uh, cooks in his recent uptick in usage? I think last week was his highest snap count, uh, percentage, uh, as a rookie here, uh, Singletary still got the touchdown there, but, uh, how are you feeling about this recent, you know, well, two of the last three weeks now cooks has seen double digit carries.
1: So I actually had, uh, boots on the ground for this game. I was at this, uh, Bills Patriots game and I will say Devin Singletary did get nicked up he came out of the game for a portion there Um, the other part was that the Patriots were running a cover two shell which is uh, the biggest example of that is what the Bengals tried to do against the Chiefs where they just sat back where I mean tried to do it worked it worked successfully they just sat back let Mahomes have time roam around and just try to contain everything underneath right and like Mahomes doesn't like that so he scrambles around gets antsy and then makes mistakes. That's what the Patriots tried to do the bills and the bills just took everything underneath. So that's James cook was just getting dumped downs over the middle. I don't know if I can bank on that again, but you know, there's certain situations where, you know, if you're, if you don't trust, you know, a guy in a tough matchup or uh, in a split, then maybe you go James cook. I just think there's too many guys getting the full or more than half of the workload to go with a guy who is getting only a partial workload. You Know so I don't know it's hard to trust James Cook, and I still prefer Devin Singletary over Cook if you're picking one or the other. Yeah, are you?
0: you Yeah, I'm still going Singletary. I just thought 43 percent. This is a guy they invested a second round pick in, there was a lot of hype around him. We know what he can be in the passing game 11 targets the last two weeks, uh, for him as well in the passing game, and now he busts out 14 carries. You know, I mean, first hundred total yard game for him of his career. Uh, you know, he's this is what I think. I, as a Devin Singletary fantasy manager after the draft, because he was one of my favorite running backs to take pre-NFL draft, this is what I was worried about. This sort of usage for James Cook's all of a sudden now. The passing game's there, and they're giving him the football to carry. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. You know, if he goes back to 25% snap share this week, then I feel better. But if we're now looking at a 40% snap share, uh, that's a little concerning to me. But also... We looked at Naeem Hines and we talked about Naeem Hines and his lack of usage in this offense. He saw 31% of offensive snaps mm. last week. So is that because Singletary got banged up? I guess that's that's something to watch this week as well.
1: Well, they came out the first play of the game with him on the field. They ran like a two, uh they ran like a two running back play, like a like split yeah. back to start the game, you know, and uh Naeem Hines. He actually came out and did uh He had some red something. zone
0: opportunities in this game as well. He didn't do anything with them, but he was out there.
1: Not to mention, you know, that 30%, that's 23 snaps. 10 of those were in the backfield. 13 of those were in the slot. So yeah. they actually are doing the thing we always say, hey, why don't they put him in the slot? And then they never do. Looks like uh they're kind of willing to do that a little bit.
0: Yeah. Uh, so big not- story, I think, for me, is Singletary. Because he hasn't played less. Than 72% of the offensive snaps since week five. And that was a game they won 38 to three. So they didn't run him out there. He only played 54% of the snaps, but 86, 75, 74, 72, 72, 78, and then 44% Oof. last week. So he got uh, hurt. Workload oh, cut he got hurt. In half.
1: I remember seeing him come off uh, shook up a little bit. So, okay. But, uh, you know, then again, you know, whenever it's a, whenever it's a nine and a half point spread, there might be enough work for all these guys, sure. you know what I mean? Singletary might get his, and then they bring in Cook later. So, you know, things to think about. And of yep. course, with the wide receivers, you start digs and Gabriel Davis and Dawson Knox. You don't, you know, you know where you need to use those guys or not. If you don't, my tight end rankings are out on my Twitter at coupe fiasco. They will be when this drops, and you can see whether you need Knox or not.
0: Yep. Jacksonville versus Tennessee. Tennessee's giving three and a half here. It's a 41 and a half game total. Tennessee fired their GM yesterday according here on Thursday. Uh, Traylon Burks questionable. He somehow held on to the football uh, despite getting knocked out there for a touchdown last week. Uh, We'll see if he can clear concussion protocol and be active for this game. Uh, Jacksonville, as we worried about when we talked about it on those podcasts last week, everybody wanted Jacksonville against Detroit. They go into Detroit, lay a big egg, uh, possibly a bounce back spot. Tennessee's defense got lit up by Jalen Hurts last week. Uh, How are you feeling here? Uh, Any guys in particular outside of the obvious, like Derrick Henry and ATN and Kirk that you're interested in?
1: Yeah, I look from first glance when you see the spread and the over under, it feels like a Derrick Henry spot. I mean, Derrick Henry usually steamrolls this team. So now you're sticking with what with what we know, right? You're starting you're starting. Derek Henry, you're starting Travis Etienne, you're starting Christian Kirk. Uh, you're considering Zay Jones maybe Evan Ingram if you don't have other options he he has been running a pretty high route participation top five the last couple weeks you know 80 90 percent so uh, but again he can he can disappear at times so you know what you're getting into there. Uh, and then if you're looking for sneaky dart throws, the rookie from Tennessee chig a has come on as of late, and he's been getting targets, five targets each of the last two games. He's not running a full snap share, so I don't really trust him for redraft. But if you're trying to uh, think outside the box, uh, you know, Jacksonville is a team that the tight end can't get things done on, and they do seem to like this kid, Chig. So something to think about.
0: Yep, for sure. Are there anything else here?
1: No, that's about it.
0: All right. Uh, Houston versus Dallas. How about this spread, Coop? Dallas at home giving 17.5 points. Uh, That is the highest point spread we've seen all season long. 44 and a half game total here. Houston going back to Davis Mills. Probably shouldn't have ever gone to Kyle Allen in the first place here. Uh, Good luck. Good good luck Houston here. I'm not touching a single soul uh, on that team. Not even Damian Pierce here. Uh, I know he had a good game last week. Kudos to you. You were in on it. I was out on it. Uh you you just can't play anybody in Houston with a spread like this. No
1: way. No chance. I mean, the the what is the when so when the spread's 17 and a half, but the um uh, the over under is only like 45. The implied point total for the Texans has got to be like what 13 points? Yeah. Not, it's, like it's that. Super it's low. Yeah. Real bad, dude. Real bad. So you guys just gotta stay away from that completely. With the Cowboys, you definitely start their defense if they're a 17 and a half point favorite, right? And then yep. you're starting the usual suspects, of course. And both, I mean, this is easily the worst team in the league versus the run they're letting up over 150 yards on average to running backs which means that both zeke and tony pollard can have good games today i'm starting both of them wherever i can in fact i have a dynasty league where you know i had zeke took tony pollard i'm starting both of them this week i really uh i don't see why i wouldn't in this matchup so i'm not worried about Upside there, I think both these guys could have 75, 80 yards and a touchdown. So, so a,
0: a wild week where both Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard are in the winning DFS lineups, you
1: know? Oof, could see it. I mean, we could see it. It's This is crazy. This is like a college football spread, you know, when Bama goes to play some <laughs> cup, cupcake team, you know? And the fact that they felt the need, the, the fact that it's gotten up to the point where there's the hook on the top of the 17 and a half, where they're like, the Cowboys at some point could be up 14 and kick a field goal, and that's not enough. You need that 17 and a half. Like, that, this is going to be. NBA paddling
0: yep i agree with you 100 on that one uh, we don't need to waste more time again no. you can play Gallup, starting to look good you can play them out there you can play coop you know lamb and schultz a whole the whole nine yards they're all a the
1: whole gang the whole gang they're all available
0: philadelphia versus the giants here the giants at home getting six and a half points a 45 and a half game total uh the giants and commanders tied last week uh philly keeps on rolling there. Uh, Jalen Hurts didn't even need to use the legs. He did have a rushing touchdown, but only like 15 yards rushing. Instead, he threw for 380 and three scores. The revenge game for AJ Brown came through fruition here. Um, yeah, what are, what are we thinking here? Do do you think there's any way the Giants can pull off the upset?
1: Yeah, it's so funny. Did you see the clip at the end of the game of Ryan Tannehill going up to AJ Brown?
0: Did, did he say, "I miss you"?
1: He said, "He said you didn't. Ha-, he said you didn't have to do it like that. You didn't. <laughs> you didn't have to do all that." that's what he said to him you didn't have to do all that and then they fired the gm that traded aj brown away like immediately after the game so aj brown pretty good player you're gonna have to lock him into lineups uh smith 63 or 64 snaps ran 43 of 44 routes played the whole game played really well uh john Devonta smith back on the menu
0: Uh, yeah, listen, he's just going to be hit or miss week to week. That's the problem, right? I mean, it's good that he got all the snaps. It's good that the targets were there, but there are going to be weeks where Jalen Hurts has a good passing day. And then there are going to be weeks where he has sort of his typical passing day, where it's more like 220, 230 yards, maybe two touchdowns. And then he's running a lot more. So, you know, it's got to be a very consolidated target share for both of him and Brown. I think they have Big-time success, but he's still a wide receiver three for me. Yep. As
1: long as uh, Dallas Goddard's out, I'm I'm doing my best to get him in there. You know what I mean? Jack Stoll's not doing much. Quez Watkins is the one that's kind of stepped up a little bit. But, again, he still only plays a partial snap share. 37 of 73 snaps last week. So not really getting it done. On the Giants side, there are three players that you can consider for fantasy football. Uh, I guess four if you want to get crazy and roll Daniel Jones out there, although you're rolling him against – one of the best pass defenses in the league. Uh, you start Saquon Barkley everywhere you have him every week. You can consider Darius Slayton. He's the one guy that's been consistent, and he you know, ran 40 routes on 41 dropbacks. He's out there playing the whole game, playing well. He played well last week. He was sick all week and still caught six passes, almost caught another huge one in crunch time, just barely dropped it. The other guy that I'm uh, very interested in Uh, it's a tough matchup for him. But Daniel Bellinger came back from this eye injury, played 64 of 66 snaps, caught five of five targets. They like this guy. And, he, you know, an eye injury, broken eye socket, whatever it was, clearly he's fully healed if he's going to play 64 or 66 snaps. That's not a recurring injury. That's not one where his, you know, his stamina is going to be low. He was out there running around the week before. He just had double vision. So that's a player where I'm stashing him. He's got a pretty good schedule down the stretch here. So you might... Uh, you might end up using him. You might end up pairing him with uh, with some other options. If you look at this schedule for him, the two games now are rough, the next two games. So if you can avoid starting him versus the Eagles and the Giants, I would do so. But then he gets the Vikings and the Colts, which are both plus matchups for the tight ends. I mean, everything the Vikings touch turns to a shootout, right? The quarterbacks against this team, Mac Jones and Mike White throwing both for 380 yards, sign me up for that. So... Guy, Dana Bellinger, a guy that you should you should stash on the bench if you can.
0: Yep, I agree with you there. Next matchup, Minnesota versus Detroit. Detroit giving a point and a half. How about that one? The the five and seven <laughs> Detroit Lions are one and a half point home favorites against the 10 and two Minnesota Vikings here. That's I winning, I, winning I culture. don't I don't even know what to think about this one here. Talk about fishy Vegas Lions. 51 and a half game total. Uh Coop, I mean, what, what do we have to say here? Detroit, I think, is the most interesting team in the NFL here for a couple of reasons. First, DeAndre Swift got a, a fairly decent workload last week uh, for the first time in a while. Jamison Williams activated, played sparingly, but the fact that he's on the field gives him just an opportunity to potentially play more moving forward. DJ Chark had the game. I think many expected he could be, you know, made the the contributions Many thought he could once he was signed to that $10 million deal here. I mean, Dan Campbell, you always say it, right? Like he gets them to play hard and, you know, those hard losses were, you know, great for football and yada yada. Well, now they're winning football games. They've won four mm-hmm. of their last five. Uh, are, are the Lions for real here being a home favorite over a 10-2 team?
1: That's always the goal, right? It's the winning culture and then you hope to eventually drop that culture part and then it's just winning, right? And then the Lions seem to be getting there. I mean – we talk about this a lot with the Patriots, where sometimes they're, they're favorites and we don't know why. Sometimes they're huge dogs and it, it's explicable, but it's because they have such specific personnel that they only match up well with certain teams, teams they can run on and teams where, you know, they have like one wide receiver. So the Patriots versus the, the Vikings, it was also a close spread. It was also a close game because the Patriots have a top corner Jack Jones that, could cover, uh, that can cover Justin Jefferson. He, they had t- he did his top. best.
0: <laughs> he did his best,
1: yeah, but it's a possible task. Yeah. But, you know, I think that's what's going on here is this Lions, they match up well in this situation. They have a good offensive line. They now have three good pass catchers. DJ Chark had 98 yards last week. Amon Ross St. Brown out, out of the slot is deadly. And now Jamison Williams is back. So, uh, you know, the, and the Vikings can be thrown on. This team is is good offense. So this will be a fun one. I went for
0: 386 yards last week. So. Exactly, dude. Yeah, and, and Mac, Mac Jones, Jones. Mac Jones was like 382 the week before.
1: 382, yeah. So, so this is a good one to stack for um, for DFS. Uh, if you are struggling at quarterback, Jared Goff, why not? Right. So, uh, it'll be interesting in that way. The one guy that I think it really needs to be a difference maker for these Vikings is TJ Hawkinson because that's the hole in the matchup. the The Detroit Lions have been a bottom uh, six seven team versus the tight end all year. They, uh, Evan Ingram last week came out, had a, had a great game scored a to touchdown and like Evan Ingram has been doing nothing. So you look at this matchup and I think that's going to be the key to Minnesota winning. This is using TJ Hawkinson over the middle to force them to have to account for that, which opens up the outside. Yep. So, and you know, everybody the
0: their brother is playing TJ Hawkinson and DFS just for the revenge game narrative as well.
1: Got to, you got to, I mean like he's this, you have to make one lineup. You have to, you can't, you can't be left out on this one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, uh, for sure, got to get Hawk in there. Uh, in terms of the running backs with Detroit, let's say, John, you were sitting there, you were DeAndre Swift owner that added Jamal Williams. You were starting Jamal Williams this whole time. But you can only start one of them in your flex bar. Were you going to start DeAndre Swift? you going to start Jamal Williams?
0: It's DeAndre Swift for me moving forward. Yep. He's just a exactly. more explosive player. Um, the target share the last two weeks, even with the limited snap share, 14 targets, eight catches, huge for PPR. But huge. then I said, out of nowhere. Out of nowhere last week, 14 carries, 62 yards, and touchdown. Uh, 51% of the offensive snaps. He maxed out at 67% in week one. He got hurt in week two, played 51%. Uh, he played 55% in week eight when he came back from his injury. Then he got hurt again. You know, so right. that's, that's the story with Swift. You start on this week against Minnesota, rolls an ankle, hurts a shoulder, and he, he kind of screws you over again, but... The upside, the talent, the potential is there. If he's going to play 60% of the snaps, he's got to be in your lineups.
1: Absolutely, 100%. And the thing with Jamal Williams, I don't want to call him a fraud because he's not. He's a great player, clearly a great dude. You know, He seems like an awesome guy, but uh, he has been the benefit of insane circumstances. The number of times that that Almond Ross St. Brown and DeAndre Swift and the rest of these guys have been tackled at the one-yard line, is insane. I mean, in last week, Amon Ra did it. Jamal scored. I, Swift got tackled the one again. They luckily gave it to Swift, but this guy has eight touchdowns from the one yard line and two more from the two, two, two yard line. That's 10 touchdowns from within two yards. That's not something that you can bank on, in my opinion. Not so generally. Now- but if now that, that we, is his
0: role, we saw James Conner basically do that last year and lead the league in touchdowns. Exactly.
1: You still I mean you still start him where you need him. It's just if you had to pick between Swift and Jamal, yeah, this week it's, was it's the Swift
0: now for sure. The
1: changing of the guard. Yep. The changing of the guard.
0: hundred yep. percent. Uh the Minnesota angle is a little bit interesting because back in week three, I think, was when this meeting happened. Jefferson only three catches for like, it was it, thirty yards, fifteen yards, something like that. Like it was a very bad game. Akuda shut him down there. Uh so we'll see if if they have a recipe. To break through uh this week kansas city denver's the next game on the slate i don't know how this one's not a 20 point spread either but denver's at home probably why they're getting nine and a half here uh 43 and a half game total again i want nothing to do with anybody on denver um dolchik maybe because just because the tight end position is so bad but hard to play judy we don't know sutton can't play wilson Latavius Murray is the only running back getting touches, but is 18 for 50 yards going to do it for you? Probably not. So, um, you know, most of Denver I'm going to be out on here. Uh, and then in Kansas city, Kadarius Tony's practice back-to-back day. So he could return to the lineup this week. Um, that is certainly something to continue to monitor, but you know where to go with Kansas city here. Travis Kelsey, fire him up. It's going to be a big week for him. Probably.
1: Absolutely. You got Kelsey always fire him up no matter what. Uh, Greg Dulcich, Uh, The thing on him that I really like to hear was the coach coming out, Nathaniel Hackett, saying that uh, we've had good things happen when we start him at wide receiver. This guy's a converted wide receiver, 6'3", 245 pounds, so not really that far off from some of the split ends in the league. Some of these split ends are built like that. He's a little heavier, obviously, but, uh, you know, he's got that skill set. And in some of these games, I mean, week 10, 25 snaps, uh, sorry, 31 snaps at wide receiver. Next week, 23 29 last week he only fit interesting thing is those comments came after last week we only played 15 but with the injuries and things they have going on they're putting this guy in a wide receiver spot and that is huge for fantasy football travis kelsey himself plays 60 percent of his snaps at wide receiver uh mark andrews plays like you know 80 so uh that's exactly what we want to see he's a guy that i'm getting in lineups for sure this week uh the rest of those guys now i'm with you on that john you're not going to start latavius murray if you have to but i mean it's just it's not going to be a an environment that's conducive to running.
0: Yeah, you're playing Octavius Murray, hoping that he catches five passes because they're check-downing to him, right? Like yeah. they had they don't they don't have another running back. They don't really play Mac. They don't they don't got anybody there. So you're you're hoping in a PPR yeah. league that he runs for fifty, he catches three passes, four passes for twenty yards, and gets to ten fantasy points. Like that's what you're praying for.
1: I will give you credit on this, John, uh, on our morning show on Sundays where we do start sits. I was not. Really, uh, I I was concerned that Juju was like completely phased out. He didn't have that big of a game, but he did lead the wide receivers in pass snaps. He he surpassed the great Justin Watson, who had been (laughs) leading them previously. So, I think you know, even though he hasn't been super productive as of late, you know, only 30 or so receiving yards, he still is the best bet of those guys. I still like him better than I thought you were
0: giving me my flowers for Jarek McKinnon.
1: Oh well, the Jack McKinnon call—you know—that was that—that that was coming up very next. Was, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think mean, it's that the thing with McKinnon this week is you can't really start. No, it's, it's games. Game sp- it,
0: you probably can't play McKinnon for the rest of the season. They got Denver, Houston, and Seattle coming up on their schedule. Like those are all Pacheco games. Um, you know, the shootout G- against Cincinnati was just a game script where McKinnon I felt like was going to be utilized, and he played forty-seven percent of the offensive snaps. He had two catches and a touchdown, fifty-one yards rushing. So. Yeah, Broncos, yeah,
1: sure. Broncos, Texans, Seahawks, Broncos, Raiders. Do you think the Chiefs at nine and three currently have a good chance of making the playoffs? This year? I would
0: say they 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 run the table. Me, yeah. me, I, you know what? If Seattle upset them, I probably wouldn't be shocked. Just the way Seattle season has been going, but like that would be it.
1: I wouldn't be sh- I wouldn't be shocked if they if they get to the Raiders game and they have the first you know the first seed locked up and they just let the Raiders win. True. True. I mean, true. it could easily happen.
0: Seattle is actually on the road in that one, so I take that back. They probably don't win. Uh, Speaking of Seattle, that's our next game. Carolina Panthers in Seattle. Seattle's giving forwards a 44.5 game total. Uh, Sam Darnold's quarterback in Carolina there. Uh, Don Foreman didn't practice yesterday. I know we have an updated practice report status there on Don Foreman. For Seattle, all of their running backs are hurt. So, uh, Kenneth Walker, uh, we're waiting on, obviously, DJ Dallas, Travis Homer. Uh, they signed Wayne Gallman to their practice squad. Like, we don't really know who's going to be the starting running back this week for Seattle. That may not matter, though. Last week, both Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, both, like, 120 yards receiving and a score. Geno Smith still out there trucking the football all around. Uh, I'm surprised, actually, that money's coming in on Carolina. Spread opened at six. It's now down to four. What are your thoughts here?
1: Yeah, that's pretty wild, man, that it is coming in there. Because, you know, the Seahawks have been good, but maybe they're they're looking at that running game and saying, hey, Kenneth Walker uh, made a huge impact, and now they might not have D.J. Dallas. They might be going with Travis Homer. Uh, if they can't run the football and end up being a one-dimensional team, that's a lot of pressure to put on Geno. So maybe that's what's, what the situation is there. Uh, the one part of that offense, because, I mean, you know what you're doing with Lockett, Metcalf, Geno most times. If one of Noah Fant or Will Disley got hurt, the other one would immediately become a guy that I could potentially recommend week to week. But the problem is they still split snaps. I know Noah Fant has been more productive, but once again, they ran 46 dropbacks. Noah Fant ran 23 routes. Will Disley ran 20. So people want, you know, they, they keep asking, what about Fant? What about Fant? It lowers his upside that he only plays half the game. And the week before that, Will Disley ran more routes than Noah Fant, so it, it is a pretty annoying split. Um, uh, just can't trust it.
0: Yep, I agree with you there. Uh, anybody in Carolina? I mean, if Don Foreman's out, obviously Chuba Hubbard becomes appealing. Um, uh, but do you like DJ Moore? I guess is like the only viable pass catcher here in Carolina.
1: Yeah, I just wish PJ Walker was still so healthy, man. He P- PJ P- was the one that seemed to have it figured out, but I mean we've seen in the past that Sam Darnold can get him the ball, and the one thing going for DJ Moore is, and we talked about this with Garrett Wilson, DJ Moore has the second highest uh, snap participation of any wide receiver in the league. It's like 97%. So you can count on him to be out there. You can count on him to get the targets. It's the effectiveness. That's the problem, right? So every week he's got a target floor of minimum five, six targets uh, can get upwards of 10 or 11 at times, but uh, it's the quarterback play. So DJ Moore is a guy I'm trying to acquire actively in dynasty leagues. Don't obviously don't really love the situation right now, but this guy is still young. He hasn't even hit the age apex for wide receivers. Uh, he plays every single snap, and there are probably better days to come.
0: Yeah, I mean, at least the one thing is, you know, they will be addressing the quarterback situation. Some they have
1: so to. They have
0: somebody to. will be a quarterback in Carolina, and that's somebody more than likely better than Walker, Darnold, Baker Mayfield. So yeah. uh, we'll you, you look
1: at you look at it, and you know, uh, it's like he only got six targets last week or the week before last, or before they buy, but they only dropped back 20 times. So it's like, if they could just get into one shootout one time, we might be able to see what it looks like, but they really are just kind of lying down.
0: Yeah. Uh, next game here, probably the one everybody will be getting on their televisions, uh, Tampa Bay versus San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco is a three and a half home favorite with Brock Purdy as their quarterback following the Jimmy Garoppolo injury. Uh, Buccaneers coming off of a last-second win. Tom Brady turned back the clock for another uh, miraculous two-minute drill uh, to bring Tampa Bay into a touchdown. He actually had to throw two touchdowns to beat uh, Mm. the Saints in that game, right, uh, because they called one back. The Chris
1: Godwin one got called back. Yeah, got
0: called back, and then he had to throw it in to Rashad White there. So uh, thoughts on this one? Is it surprising to see Tampa Bay as an underdog given the quarterback situation in San Francisco?
1: I mean, if there's one team – that is built to survive losing both their starting and, and backup quarterback, it's this 49ers team. You go across, and they have arguably the best defense. You know They have arguably the best running back. They have probably the best fullback. They have a guy that's in the conversation for the best two-way tight end. Obviously, Travis Kelsey is the best pass-catching tight end, but George Kittle, always in that conversation. They have arguably the best left tackle in the league with Trent Williams. Like They have a ton of guys that you could straight up say are the best or are in the conversation to be the best. So, uh, and they seem to really like this guy, Brock Purdy. Obviously you got to pump the tires on the guy who's going to be leading your team for the rest of the year. But you know, Vegas is buying in the over under on this game is 37 and a half, which Mm -hmm. seems crazy to me. That means that the implied point total for Tampa Bay is going to be one of the lowest in the league this week. It's like, uh, it's just a tough defense to play against. So yep. uh, I don't trust do, any do have
0: the Tom Brady return to the Bay narratives as well. You know, the, of course. Yes. Coming ish for, uh, for Brady. So yeah. uh, something to to pay attention to there. Uh, all the healthy. I mean, the, the Buccaneers offense is healthy. Uh, yeah. I'm actually hopeful and it's not a great spot, but like, I hope Cameron rates out again. So Kate, I can play 83% of the offensive snaps, you know, like, I know. It yeah. is a terrible
1: matchup for him, but last week was the worst possible matchup for him, and he caught a touchdown. Right. He was a he was the tight end one, right? So, Kate Otten, I mean, if you if he's a, he he can't be on waivers in any dynasty leagues, but if he is, you got to grab this guy. He's looked really good. He's he's clearly on the pass catching side of the tree, not the blocking side of the tree, which is half the battle, right? So many of these guys we think they're going to be pass catchers, and then they end up just being blockers doing nothing. You know, even guys like Drew Sample picked in the second round just never going to catch a ton of passes. So you got to get those guys while you can, while they're hot. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I, this is one where I would be willing to bet on the Buccaneers to win the game outright. It's Tom Brady against Brock Purdy at the end of the day. Uh, That's an intimidating situation for a guy like Brock Purdy. So for me, I'm willing to bet this one outright. And if you're not as confident as me, you can take the three and a half points. So uh, I'm in on this one.
0: Uh, that's fine. I'm with you there as well. Uh just the overall package, I guess, for San Francisco. As long as party doesn't turn the football over, they'll probably squeeze one out there. Yeah. Uh Sunday night football, Miami Dolphins versus the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, I think surprising to everybody last week, or, or maybe not, but uh Jeff Wilson got one carry, Mostert got seven, neither back did anything against San Francisco. Uh, but given the way the snap share played out in prior weeks, I think many people assume Wilson was the starting running back. I have no idea who the starting running back is gonna be in Miami now at this point, which is unfortunate because the Chargers, one of the worst teams in the NFL against the run.
1: Yeah, I so I think Jeff Wilson still is the guy. I wonder if, you know, they got a bit desperate and basically said, Okay, Raheem Mostert's our home run hitter. We need to just look for big plays, take big chances here. Like he, people forget that this guy had not only the fastest speed in the league just a year ago, but the second fastest as well. So the, I, I'm wondering if maybe they were just like, look, we just need to try and break. No, we're, we're not doing anything with our line. Our line's not moving anyone. They didn't have their left tackle, Toronto arm, uh, Toronto armstead. They didn't have the right tackle, Austin Jackson. So they probably just said, Hey, we need someone that can just try and break one. And they went that way. So I, st- I actually still like Jeff Wilson over Raheem Mostert this week, but again, just know what you're risking here because it could uh, be the same situation now have you heard have you we got any update today on Jalen waddle I know he was a bit nicked up there
0: I saw that he went to questionable uh with a, a I think it was a limited practice participation I gotta I gotta let me check real quick here uh still considered questionable uh, it was just the Wednesday is the most recent update it was a limited practice participation I don't see anything yet for Thursday maybe you're uh, finding an updated Thursday practice report, but the fact that he was limited at least, I think, bodes well for his likelihood to play. Uh, if he if he
1: is a late scratch, I'll I'll start Trent Sherfield. He's looked yeah. explosive, but otherwise, I'm starting Tough
0: spot on a Sunday night football game though to have a guy that is in the air like that. So right. you'll have yeah. to clear a clear a bench spot uh, and hope that uh, you can figure out a way to get him in your lineup there.
1: Exactly. Yeah. If you can if you can uh, add Sherfield. That might be the way to go. If you can just, if you have, yeah, if you have a bench spot for Sherfield, then you start Waddle, start Sherfield, makes you sleep better at night. Um, you know, if Waddle's good to go, I'm starting Tua, I'm starting Tyreek, I'm starting Waddle, I'm starting Jeff Wilson, and then I'm not starting anybody else. Mike Seki only played nine snaps last week. Disgusting.
0: So yeah, I'm that not. Is a, that is less than ideal. There, I'm trying to see. Do we have an
1: Ten million dollar man. They they franchise tagged that guy for ten million dollars. He played nine snaps.
0: He was supposed to be traded at the deadline. And he never was.
1: Never was, dude. Yeah. Brutal. Um, you know, on the other side of the ball with the Chargers, you know what you're doing here now, Mike Williams, uh, there was hope that he could play last week. He did not. Um, once again, there's hope that he can get out there, but make sure you have contingency plans, right? Make sure you have, you know, if possible, you know, it'd be nice to have Josh Palmer if you have Mike Williams, but. Um,
0: yeah, it is a good, it is a good thing that, um, he was pract- he was limited at practice um, this week, for or yesterday rather, for Mike Lunds, because he hadn't been practicing. So the fact that he is at least on the field again at practice is a good sign potentially for his return.
1: Yes, was described as doing individual drills, but that's better than anything we've seen so far. <laughs> so I would like to see a full practice on Friday. It would make us feel a lot better for a Sunday night game where you have limited other options. Uh, I guess, I mean, you could start DeAndre Carter. He's the guy that steps up. Usually he's just a punt and kick returner, but he's the guy that steps up uh, and plays the third snap share. So you do have that fail safe. But again, he only played 45 of 75 snaps. So- Gerald Everett
0: had a good game last week. What are you thinking here against Miami?
1: Yeah, Miami is one of the best matchups for tight end. So I'm once again going to have Gerald Everett pretty high. Uh, The problem with Everett is that he's a guy that doesn't play all the snaps either. And I'm not sure what it is, but he only has one game where he played more than 70% of the snaps. But when they do put him in there, they target him. And this is a matchup that is conducive to his usage, so I'm gonna be in on him. Just know that uh, you know down the stretch you might need to mix and match. He's in that mix and match group for me because they do have a couple games on the schedule uh, that aren't ideal. The Titans game next week, not that great, but the Colts, Rams, those games you could probably start him too. So you might be able to sneak by. Just know Mike Williams coming back and his limited usage already. Uh, You're gonna want to have somebody else just in case.
0: I agree with you. And Monday Night Football game here, we have the New England Patriots on the road against the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals, a a one-and-a-half point home underdog here against New England, which I think is a little bit interesting. Um, Obviously, Arizona's offense, they got Hollywood Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, James Conner, Kyler Murray. Uh, Their defense has been iffy at best this season, but, I mean, Coop, we're Patriots fans. We we know the struggles that New England's having on offense outside of their running game, basically. Um, We'll be very interested to see if After Mac Jones and really the rest of the receivers' comments as well about needing to push the ball downfield more and quit with some of the short passing game. If they do allow Mac Jones to kind of unleash a little bit here and throw downfield to open up the Patriots' offense, uh, we know what their defense is. But this is going to put a lot of strain on their defense. They've struggled against two mobile quarterbacks already this year in Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson Uh, You know, we know that DeAndre Hopkins is still one of the game's best wide receivers. Hollywood Brown can stretch the field. So this feels like another spot where the Patriots defense is going to be put to the test.
1: Yeah. Um, So another issue for the Patriots. I know they have an extra day to see if they can get them ready. But uh, once again, today, this is Thursday, we're talking. uh, Alex Barth reported that Jacoby Myers was not out there. Neither was Trent Brown, Isaiah Wynn, or Damian Harris. So pretty shorthanded, but then again, with the extra day this week, maybe they're uh, maybe they're just holding well, them out. Trent of Brown really has
0: been an absolute abysmal pass blocker this year. Bruno. Uh, he, he needs to be a guy, I think at least for this season, where you run behind him only. You know, <laughs> like big right. power sets. They used to do it. Was it Shaq Mason they used to do it in? They would like bring Shaq Mason in as like the third tight end and they just run like power sweeps behind him and, and like make the yardage there like – Trent Brown's still a mountain. He he can still run right behind him. But the last week, some of his pass blocking they put on the highlights. There, he was just flat out whiffing on guys, and Mac Jones is getting killed.
1: Just brutal. Yeah. So difficult to trust a guy like that. Uh, and he again, he's now he's nicked up with Jacoby Myers banged up, and them going into uh, playing. The worst, uh, one of the worst, if not the worst, teams versus the tight end. It basically goes back and forth between Seattle and Arizona to see who can be worse versus position. Hunter Henry is an interesting play. He, uh, he had a touchdown against the Vikings, should have been two touchdowns. And then last week he uh, had a tough matchup with Matt Milano, but still got five targets. Back-to-back weeks with five targets, now going into uh, a matchup with one of the worst teams versus the position. And Jacoby Myers is banged up. Hunter Henry is uh, – to be in the tight end one range for me in my rankings this week, he's a guy that if you're desperate, sneak him in there. I mean, it's a good yeah. spot.
0: How you go from being tied for the league lead at touchdowns at the position last season to barely being used in the offense it's just negligence on the uh, Patriots' offensive game planning there. Um, That's and yeah, it would be great to see him get involved. It would be great, you know, a couple weeks ago they, they they had um, you know, they were running some some slip screens for Johnny Smith as well. Like, I would love to see more of those, you know, again, yeah. he's an athletic guy. Whether it's Hunter Henry, again, I think John is probably better suited for those type of plays, but yeah, if there's no Myers. You got to use these tight ends, man.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, on the Cardinal side, it's it's uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Marquise Brown. They told us he was going to be limited. He was not. He yeah. played 63 of 65 snaps. He was on bye last week, so he got an extra week of rest just for good measure. So, uh, you know, those guys are locked in. James Conner locked in, right? Uh, he's had multiple top five weeks this year for a running back. Anybody else off this team interest you? Trey nope. McBride. I'm not going to start, but uh, nope. anybody else, John? Well, yeah, they're, they're 3 man
0: offense right now. So yeah. it's, uh, I like that. Yeah. It's a good thing. I agree. I agree with you there as well. This is a showdown slate, so you know maybe maybe you throw a, a Dorch or something like that in there just in case, you know. But for the most part, yeah, you know you know where the ball is going in this offense. So. Uh, that is our look at week 14 before we go Coop I want to throw out a special shout out to Thrive Fantasy our friends over there you can go to fantasyarmcom slash Thrive Fantasy use promo code alarm when you sign up you can take advantage of their Sunday contest that they got going on here Uh, we talk about it all the time Coop you know they do offer your your regular prop pick-em games if you want but they also have these GPP style tournaments uh, where you pick 10 props and these prompts are all aligned with certain point totals on the more or less. Uh, and if you, you know, pick correctly, and you don't need to pick them all correctly, it's all about point accumulation. You can have yourself an opportunity to win some money. Their, their main $25 contest there has, uh, is $220,000 for first place there this Sunday. So uh, you got to go over there, check it out at Thrive Fantasy. Again, fantasyalarm.com slash thrive. Use promo code ALARM when signing up.
1: Yeah, I like Thrive a lot, man. Because the thing is, I love prop bets. Like they seem like so much fun, but gambling itself, like just betting on them, is so final and it's you know it 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 can hurt when you lose. You lose a you can lose a lot of money doing that. But this one, it gives you access to that fun part of the game, betting like 10 different props, and you don't have to hit them all. It's not like a parlay where you only win if you hit every single one. It's about accumulating points. So you could get seven out of 10, get a bunch of points, come in, you know, third, fourth, fifth in the contest or whatever and win some money. It's a lot of fun man. it's a good way to get exposure to that part of the game. And then what I do is I look at it and I go through what I set my thrive lineup. And then maybe I'll pick one or two that I really like. And then I'll bet those, uh you know, with the book or whatever, and, and just do an outright bet. But this, I feel is a much more manageable way to get access to that fun part of sports. the yep, prop
0: Yeah, for sure. So go check all that out. Of course, Colby Conway also on Tuesdays, uh, writes out our Thrive Fantasy article Plays of the Week, so make sure you check that out as well. Uh, Coop, that's it. It's week 14 uh, in the books. When we talk to everybody next week, it will be playoff time for fantasy football. We'll be sure to go ahead and break down all the matchups like we usually do. And if you have any questions for Coop and I, you know where to find us. Get us on Twitter. Get us in the Family Room Discord. Get us in the Fantasy Room Discord. We're, we're there hanging out on Sundays, uh, having fun, watching the games with everybody there.
1: Yeah, and uh, 9 to 11 a.m. on Better Network, B-E-T-T-O-R, or on the Fantasy Alarm app, John and I will be answering your very specific questions. So during the show, we talk about, you know, different guys we like here or there. If you have a specific question, pop into the app, pop into the YouTube channel and ask us live from 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern time. We'll answer it right then and there. We'll weigh it out. So uh, we're here to help you every step of the way, guys.
0: 100%. Everybody, good luck. We'll talk to you guys next week.